1: Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So, why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT and T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT and T Fiber. Live like a gazillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com/hypergig for details.
0: This day in history class is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: <laughs> Hello and welcome to this Day in History class, a show for those interested in all the high-flying moments of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lusier and today we're looking at the story behind a clever marketing method that turned wide open skies into smoky billboards, though thankfully, only temporarily. The day was November 28, 1922. Royal Air Force Captain Cyril Turner became the first pilot in the U.S. to use skywriting as a form of advertising. A few skywriting demonstrations had been given at American air shows during the 1910s, but Captain Turner's flight was different. He didn't use smoke trails to draw pretty designs in the sky. Instead, he spelled out a rather cryptic message. 10,000 feet above New York's Times Square, in mile-high letters, he wrote, Hello USA. Call Vanderbilt. 7200. It was the first time skywriting had been used to promote something in the U.S., and even though it wasn't clear what exactly was being promoted, the ad worked like a charm. Within two and a half numbers, about 47,000 people had called that phone number trying to figure out what was on offer. The ambiguity of the message had piqued people's curiosity, thereby proving the effectiveness of skywriting and securing its place as a new, eye-catching way to promote a product. Skywriting, or smoke-riding, as it was sometimes called, got its start during World War I, when British pilots in the Royal Air Force discovered a way to make white smoke that hung in the air. All they had to do was run paraffin oil through the plane's exhaust, and poof, instant clouds. At first, the pilots mostly played around with the smoke during air drills, but they quickly realized it could also be used to send messages to ground forces when other methods of communication weren't an option. They also used it to create smoke screens to obscure troop movements or to confuse enemy pilots. Once the war was over, two RAF pilots began working together on a way to use skywriting for advertising. In 1921, Major Jack Savage developed a more sophisticated method for generating smoke and controlling its release, a mechanism which he later patented. Then, in May of the following year, Captain Cyril Turner tested that device in England by skywriting the word Castrol, a kind of engine lubricant used in both cars and airplanes. Savage's machine worked just fine, but the pair's first attempt at aerial advertising didn't draw much notice. They decided to try again about a week later, on May 31st, 1922. That time, they'd been contracted by the Daily Mail to spell out the paper's name over Epsom Downs during the Derby Stakes horse race. The stunt garnered plenty of attention that time, and not just from Derby fans either. Some local schoolchildren who saw the message outside their classroom window reportedly asked their teacher if an angel was writing in the clouds. The technique was so novel that it seemed almost supernatural. And if you didn't think so, well, the Daily Mail was there to convince you. The following morning, the paper published a glowing account of the spectacle it had sponsored and of the many rosy promises of skywriting. According to the author, quote, this remarkable achievement, to be repeated whether permitting this evening over busy London streets, tells us in words as plain as can be that a new era has opened in signaling from the air, marking an advance which is bound to produce far-reaching results, particularly as regards warfare both on land and at sea. We can now write orders to armies and navies on the sky as plainly as a schoolboy writes on his slate. An aeroplane can disappear in a cloud of its own making or conceal the ships it is escorting in a dense mist. Other wonders, doubtless, are wrapped up in skywriting. Later that year, Turner and Savage took their operation across the Atlantic to introduce their new frontier of advertising to the American public. When Captain Turner took to the skies above New York City on November 28th, Skywriting was still largely unknown in the States, just as it had been in the UK. However, the pedestrians and office workers in downtown Manhattan didn't mistake the message for angels trying to communicate. If anything, they thought just the opposite. That's because when they looked up at the sky shortly after noon, they saw four ominous letters traced in gray smoke. H-E-L-L. The following day, the New York Tribune described the moment of mild panic this caused in the streets below. The article chided Captain Turner, saying, quote, There had been no advance notice of the performance, and that fact is undoubtedly partly to blame for the circumstances that several thousand persons were distinctly jarred when they perceived as they thought. Clouds in the Sky Above Lower Manhattan, which spelled, startlingly, the one word, Hell. Fortunately, the Soaring Birdman added the letter O before any damage was done. The article went on to describe Turner and Savage's ambition to make skywriting a standard tool of commercial advertising, but the article didn't mention what product the pair were advertising during their inaugural flight. And that's because it was actually an ad for skywriting as a method of advertisement. While Captain Turner was painstakingly writing the message overhead, his partner Major Savage was watching closely from the ground. He had a guest with him too. George Hill, the then president of the American Tobacco Company. As it turned out, the entire stunt was an elaborate attempt to persuade Hill to advertise his cigarettes with skywriting. Before the demonstration, Hill didn't have much faith in the medium's potential. After all, skywriting letters only lingered for about 10 minutes in a light wind. How many people would even have time to see an ad like that before it all got blown away? The answer, at least on that occasion, was roughly 47,000 people. If you recall, the message Turner wrote that day was, Hello USA, call Vanderbilt 7200. That was the phone number of the hotel where George Hill was staying, Hotel Vanderbilt. Hopefully, the staff there had been warned in advance about a potential flood of calls, but judging from reports of hotel operators scrambling to keep up, I'm guessing they didn't. In either case, though, the overwhelming response convinced Hill to take a chance on skywriting. The following year, the American Tobacco Company used skywriting in a successful advertising campaign for Lucky Strike cigarettes. By that point, Captain Turner had become the head pilot of the newly formed Skywriting Corporation of America. He and other pilots flew for Hill in cities across the country, writing LSMFT, or Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, everywhere they went. In the decades that followed, skywriting became an accepted and popular form of advertising. It was employed by many major companies, such as Ford, Chrysler, and Sunoco. But the brand that seemed to fall hardest for the medium was soft drink giant Pepsi. In 1932, the company bought its own plane specifically for skywriting. During its maiden flight, the pilot spelled out Drink Pepsi Cola over New York City eight times throughout the day. After a strong response to that campaign, Pepsi went all in on skywriting. The company eventually grew its fleet to 14 planes, which spread the good news of Pepsi all across the US, Mexico, Canada, and Cuba. By the time the campaign was suspended in the mid-1940s, Pepsi's planes were collectively puffing out more than 2,200 mile-high ads each year. Along the way, skywriting also became a way for people to broadcast personal messages for all to see, everything from birthday greetings to political rants to marriage proposals. The popularity of skywriting in advertising took a dive in the back half of the 20th century, largely thanks to the rise of television and its far reaching commercials. Skywriting continued to entertain crowds at air shows, ball games, and traveling festivals but it was no longer the novelty it once was. That said, skywriting has been making a bit of a comeback in recent years. Thanks to smartphones and social media, it's easier than ever to capture and share a skywriting message, making its temporary nature much less of a drawback. It's worth noting, though, that a lot of the messages we see in the skies these days aren't technically skywriting. They're examples of a more recent, more automated technique, called sky typing. Both methods send paraffin oil through the plane's exhaust to create a trail of white smoke. One key difference is that traditional skywriting requires the pilot to control the release of the oil, and by extension the smoke, using controls in the cockpit. But for sky typing, the release of oil is controlled by an onboard computer. The pilot enters the message they want to type, and the computer plots a course, pumping out dots of smoke to form each letter along the way. Another difference is that sky typing pilots don't fly their planes in the shape of each letter. Instead, a series of pilots work in tandem, flying across the same patch of sky in parallel lines while releasing dots of smoke that together form the message. If you're familiar at all with old dot matrix printers, it's a lot like that. Up close, it's just a bunch of broken dots, but when viewed from a distance, it looks like letters formed from solid lines. As you've probably gathered, sky typing is faster, cheaper, and easier than traditional skywriting. It's also a lot less artful. There's no digital assistance in old school skywriting. Instead, the watchword is precision. The specially trained pilots have to map out every movement they'll make in advance. Each turn, roll, dive, and flip of the smoke switch. Then they have to carry out those maneuvers from memory, while going 150 miles per hour at 10,000 feet in the air. The slightest slip-up could ruin the look of the entire message. If a pilot doesn't open or close the flow of smoke at just the right moment, then two letters might bleed together, or one letter might end up taller or shorter than the others. In addition, all the letters have to run along the same straight line, and they have to be evenly spaced apart, too. That's plenty to keep track of already, but perhaps the most difficult part of all of it is that the entire message has to be written in reverse. It's a little weird to think about, but since the pilots are writing parallel to the ground, they have to spell out the letters backwards so that they appear correctly to spectators below. Similar to other forms of advertising, skywriting depends on a level of skill and artistry that's designed to be invisible. That way, you think about the message, not all the effort that went into crafting it. However, if you take a closer look, it's hard not to be impressed, maybe even awed. In the case of skywriting, it's a choreographed dance and a painted mural all in one. And there is a kind of beauty in that, even if the only real statement it makes is, at Jokes. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can write to us directly at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.